I was happy to hear that. And I was also really happy because there are some people that um, haven't coached athletes and don't know that you know, most of the elite athletes train that way too, below, around, and above. And you tell them which workout they're doing and they go do it. You can almost hear a sigh of, good, okay, I don't have to be this crazy specific. I can just talk my way through this. And most people should be able to get this. This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. John McGowan here, and, and I'd love to hear from you. John at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Another thing, you know, I rarely ask for listeners to uh, act on anything, but if you haven't left us a review over at iTunes, I would really appreciate it. Um, There's a good chance you already have an Apple ID. Uh, If you don't have an iPhone or um, done anything Apple-related, but just go to the iTunes store, search Indoor Cycling Instructor. You'll find the podcast, and then you have an option to post a review. You know, good, bad, or indifferent, but I would just enjoy you adding uh, so others will know if this is worth listening to or not. We have, over the years, spoken about Indoor Cycling 2.0, which is loosely defined as the transition from entertainment-based exercise to more results-driven training, and how we get to those results is through the introduction of metrics. Uh, we spent a lot of time over the years talking about heart rate training. And recently, the last year or so, you know, power has really come on the scene. Starting first with uh, Kaiser and Cyclops. Uh, Schwinn jumped in the game. Free Motion introduced a bike here a year and a half ago. And now the folks at Star Trek have introduced the Blade Ion complement it uh, spinning has hired from cyclops or i guess i don't know the total uh, relationship there but angie studervent and she had created the spin power program joining me today is uh, a very experienced uh, cyclist uh, cycling coach and uh, spinning instructor who's been through the spin power program and his name is dennis mellon and he's joining me how are you dennis i'm great john how are you I'm well. Give everybody an indication of where you are and where you teach. Um, I spend most of my days at Greenwood Athletic and Tennis Club, which is in Greenwood Village, Colorado, which is about 10 minutes from downtown Denver or just south of Denver. Um, I also teach at another club that's owned by the same ownership of this club called Pura Vida. Um, And that would be a little bit closer to downtown. Um, Cherry Creek is the area where that is. And uh, two great clubs um, have won numbers of awards. It's it's great to be here. Exactly. We're going to talk about the Greenwood Club mm-hmm. because you recently had an installation of the new spinner blade ions that have those pretty blue lights on them. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, and and uh, you know I'm tempted to ask if you've ever turned all the lights off just to see what that looks like. <laughs> well, our issue at our club. I think it's a good issue, but we do have lots of windows. It's uh, it's two converted racquetball courts from way back in the day, and uh, 
Remember those old racquetball courts that had glass? Oh yes, backs? and 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 where I'm teaching currently was at one time okay. uh, a racquetball court. Yes. So we have two racquetball courts with the old glass back, so everybody could watch the game. Um, they did a great job converting them. You wouldn't even know if I hadn't told you that. Um, but there's so much light in the room, you can never see the the glow of the blue. But they're there. They're there, and you can see it. Gotcha. Okay. So do you guys use vid- video? We recently, I'd say about a year ago, we added a projector to the back of our room and we just project our video onto a beige wall. It's great because if certain instructors don't want to use video, they don't need to and there's not a big screen back there. If instructors want to, they turn it on and we have a big, big screen. It's like 10 by 12. It's a, it's a big screen. So I do use video. I use video in every single class. Some of the other instructors are starting to add video as well. Okay. Uh, when I introduced you, I explained that you have you know, a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, you have a lot of understanding of power and the use of it. Uh, can you explain kind of your credentials and, you know, how you make a living as a performance coach? Sure. I uh, graduated from college in 91. I was, I went to school in school in upstate New York called Cortland State. Um, and my background originally was in physical education. So I have a physical, physical education degree then I also went the road of doing taking a bunch of exercise physiology classes with the idea that I may not be able to teach and I may have to get into personal training or some kind of performance training. So that's my education background. Um, over the past, since then, I've been involved in triathlon and I've coached a number of triathletes and cyclists and I've coached marathon runners as well. Um, and I've been teaching spinning for, I'm thinking it's 16 years now. So it's been a while. Okay. So you've been a while, and but you make your complete living in fitness. Yes, I should have mentioned that. I'm also a personal trainer, so I spend a lot of my. I tend to spend a lot of time in Greenwood Athletic Club training, and then running to the spin room and teaching a spinning class, and going back to training more and more clients. And I also do coach a number of triathletes and cyclists. Okay, awesome. And 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 the reason why I added this because. You know, there's a lot of people that can be just starry-eyed with very little background in power, but you've been training people with power. Yes, since the since the days of power tap, um, you know, triathletes go out and buy the latest and greatest stuff uh, as soon as it comes out. So as soon as power tap tap started become, becoming reasonably priced, um, I had athletes buying them, putting them on their bike, and then asking me to train them with power. So I spent a lot of time studying and reading up on that. Um, and uh, yes, I've had quite a bit of experience working with different athletes using power. Okay, and and I understand we've talked earlier um, that the other club you teach at has Kaiser bikes, and and you've been um, adding power into your classes there. Yes, um, they got Kaiser bikes about six months ago. We went through a Kaiser training after that. Um, that club has some instructors that are still teaching indoor cycling. Uh, with cadence and the way we used to teach it. And then some of us have really embraced the power. So we actually call our classes power training on the schedule. So when people come to our classes, they expect to be trained with power on their power meter. I like that. Rather than try to give everybody a generic name and then somebody walks in as either A, excited, or B, disappointed. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you exactly. know, because th- there's no communication up front as to what that is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's a topic of another conversation. So it's your intent, obviously, uh, now that you've got a room full. How many 
uh, blade ions do you have? We have 56. So there's 50. Okay. So you've got a big room like I have. Exactly. Okay. All right. And it's your intent, obviously, to bring power training to that group as well. Absolutely. And uh, we seem to, we're not seeing, we absolutely have the buy-in of management now. Our assistant general manager is one of the more, one of the most popular spinning instructors in our club. And she went through this spin power training with us this weekend and uh, she was very excited as well. So it helps having those guys upstairs or up top uh, buying in as well. And we're going to get into kind of your kind of your overview of, you know, what you learned and, and uh, your experience. But it's more importantly, or having a common language between instructors mm-hmm. is, is crucial to helping your poor students <laughs> understand what's going on if everybody's talking differently. And so are you, uh, what's the name of your uh, department head that you mentioned? The name of our department is Barbara Lubers. Barbara Lubers. Maybe I can get her on the podcast sometime. But oh, but it will be interesting to see as you guys go along if you get everyone talking the same way mm-hmm. in, in classes because so oftentimes it is not the case. Well, and uh, Go ahead. What was really nice is that we had this was as mandatory as you can make a, man, a training. You know, there's always people that absolutely can't make it. But we the had spin power this program spin that you power this program, past weekend. Yes. And okay. Oh, and I should tag this with a yeah. date. Uh, we're recording this on September 18th. So this past Saturday, we, uh, we did that spin power training, and we had 17 instructors in there. So not, it's not often that the spinning program gets together like that. And it was nice to start hearing some of the same cueing and some of the same language. And I absolutely agree with you. Because I go in to take spinning classes with other instructors at this club. And sometimes I'm listening to them. I'm like, I don't know what you mean by that. And I'm an instructor. So I can only imagine what the, <laughs> exactly. what the other. And it's not really their fault. They probably explained it a thousand times. But I'm in their class for the first time. And I don't know it. So I look around. And I can pick it up pretty quickly. But I can only imagine what people that are not spinning people or indoor or comfortable in indoor cycling or experienced how they would how would how they would take that information or that cueing. Right. I describe it as noise. <laughs> yeah. I mean quite literally. I took a class the other day with an instructor and, and she was saying things I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And and I and you know, am I sensitive to the words that they make sense to me? Yes, but I have to think if if, if I didn't know or I didn't care again, it I, it's noise. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying things, but it, it, there, there's no communication. Anyway, exactly. your general overview of the Spin Power program. My general overview, I thought it was great. I thought it was really, really well done. It was very nice to see something as science-based as that program was. Okay, and Angie Studerman was the instructor? Andrew, Angie was the instructor, yes. Awesome, and she is very science-based. Absolutely. Angie got us going. She got us going right on time. And, um, it was so science-based and me being a science guy, um, being a trainer, being a coach, it just reinforced everything that I've always been trying to say over the years and trying to get people to understand and even trying to get other instructors to understand. I mean, I come from a background of, I went to college for this stuff, so I get it. I do understand there's some of the best spinning instructors out there may not have any background in exercise physiology. 
So they're doing the very best they can, and they do a fantastic job. They may not understand all the science behind what they're doing. Um, they may just be good because they're good. This program gave them the science to also mix into their class, or I think you were calling it entertainment. You can mix the science in with the entertainment, and you can just be that much better, and then have a reason for why you're doing certain things. You know, we're doing this interval because of this, not because I think it makes you breathe hard and get your heart rate up. We're doing it for a specific reason with specific training, and we're going to rest specific, uh, the correct work-to-rest ratio, which I think has always been an issue in some spinning classes. So she just kept going over those things, and it was, it was nice to get to have someone say everything that I've always been trying to preach to other spinning instructors, to, other, to my members, to, my, to my, the people taking my classes, to my participants. So um, hopefully we get to take that information, we give it out, and then with the power meters, uh, they can, our participants can start to really see what they're working on and really the intensities that, that, that they're working out, and we can give them realistic intervals and rest ratios, things like that. How long did the training last? It's long. It's, uh, it went from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and she kept us there the whole time, and I appreciate that. This was not a group that wanted to get their CECs and run. This was a group that wanted to really learn and really, really understand this. So from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., we took two classes. Um, we had about 25 minutes for lunch. So there was a lot. It was a big day. Obviously, the, the training has value in, as star points, or I, I think those can actually be converted to uh, other organizational CECs as well. Yes, I believe it even gives points for um, USA Cycling, whatever their certification is. So it even gives um, points for cycling coaches um, so they 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 feel that highly about that program so it's a very good program yeah all right so how did the training break down so start what, what, what you know how did what did she start with basically just the science of of training the science of training and then brought wattage into it um, it was not just it wasn't we spent the first three and a half or four hours in a classroom. We weren't even near the bikes. And I believe they assume that if you're taking this program, if you're taking this class, you already know how to set someone up on a bike. So it's not the the introduction to spinning. This is spinning instructors that want to learn power. So we started off with introductions. We started off with um, the science of training. Um, there was also a lot of talk about how to properly progress through training, which was very nice because a lot of times we don't think about the how you step from basically learning skills and drills to your endurance, to your strength, to your power, then mixing them together. So she was trying to get everyone to understand you know, how to build fitness and to build performance. Um, so we went into that. We also started talking about power and different areas of power and what, you know, Instead of talking about heart rate zones, we were talking about power zones. So many of the trainings go through heart rate zones. This was basically taking this heart rate zone goes to this power zone. This heart rate zone goes to this power zone. Not to use both. That really wasn't the, the – it was more to understand how you would use both or how you would, you would start thinking. Because most people understand heart rate zones or think they do. 
um, and how that works in with the power zones. We do want to get rid of the heart rate because we're saying a lot of people in power are saying, and I believe this to be true, is heart rate is more of a reaction of what you're doing. Power is what you are doing at that time, exactly. So you get instantaneous results. And those that have trained with power, I think, I believe, see that. Um, Started talking about about measuring power, trying to get you to understand power, to – to understand what a watt is, how is that how is that measured? Um, which a lot of people that don't have physics degrees, including myself, don't don't normally understand that. So it was it was good to understand there is a difference, there is a, a relationship between cadence and resistance, and that that's needed to raise to raise your power. Um, science of power, targeted training, um, how to use power in classes. It was. It progressed along very nicely, and I thought it was uh, I thought it was put together in a way that you understood one thing, and then we we stepped up to the next level of how we're going to use that, and it was a uh, it was a uh, very educational, very educational. Interesting. Was there anything that that you kind of looked sideways at? In the old days of spinning, when we would do rhythm presses and. And crazy jumps, and I would, or even that proud position when you're riding. I'm like, what is that doing for us? I don't understand that, and I didn't get that. But Angie was very scientifically based, not so much about how to ride. That really wasn't what it was about. It was more about the training of riding and the intensities you want to ride at, and everything that I've, with you know my my background in exercise physiology and just the things that I read this was everything it was like being in a in a college course it seemed to be everything seemed to have science behind it there was nothing that made me look at it thinking I don't know if that would work everything seemed to really fit uh, my way of coaching other athletes how was she uh, recommending that you you know communicate FTP for example you know some how, you know, I, I realize that they've got what have they've got? How many? Well, start with how many spinning zones are there? Spinning spin power zones are there? There were six power zones. There's a zone one, a zone two, a zone three. The high end of zone three is where your threshold would be. Um, zone four, five, and six. Now that being said, Angie was talking about those zones and. I kind of felt like she, in order to follow all the other coaching books that are out there, you know, the Joe Friels and the Chris Carmichaels, she had to put that up there. And it all makes sense. But then she was saying to us, really, in a spinning class, you're going to be below threshold, around threshold, and above threshold. And I was so happy to hear that because that's generally how I believe most of us teach. Okay. So she said, yes, I have these zones up there. This is what the science says, okay? And if you want to train by these, great. But in a real class and with most athletes, if they're not doing just a low-intensity zone one endurance ride or a lower-end endurance ride, they're going to be working below threshold, at, or above. And then there's even that recovery zone, which is just turn it all off and recover. But I was happy to hear that. And I was also really happy because there are some people that um, haven't coached athletes and don't know that you know, most of the elite athletes train that way too. 
below, around, and above, and you tell them which workout they're doing and they go do it, you can almost hear a sigh of, good, okay, I don't have to be this crazy specific. I can just talk my way through this, and most people should be able to get this. They don't do an FTP. They do a personal spin threshold, PST, they call it. The branding continues. Right. right. Okay, well, good. Um, but, or, but are they trying to determine somebody's FTP, essentially, you know, to use the generic term? They did not, they did not want to use FTP. Um, and with Angie being so specific about her, her wording, where a true FTP is a 60-minute time trial, basically. And then as you start breaking it down uh, by 40 minutes, by 20 minutes, you start taking percentages off of that to assume what your threshold would be for the 60 minutes. What Angie wanted to do, and I like the FTP, and you know, I've listened to Cameron explain that, and I've also read about it, and I do think there's a place for that, absolutely, and I've done those as well. The one that Angie likes us to do is more of a, a two-minute stage test, like an old Bruce protocol or the same way we do tests on with new leaf systems. I believe there's there's definitely science behind it, and I just I think that if you choose one, like a graded, like a graded, it's a graded exercise. yeah. The way that test would be run is you would you would warm up, and what, the way I've been doing it this week is I've been running through three or four songs, like my normal my normal warm up and my normal first set of uh, of intervals, get everybody good and warm. Then I would say we're going to test. Um, we're going to do a a graded exercise test. Every two minutes, we're going to add resistance. You want to get the average of the last two-minute stage that you made it through. So if your cadence drops too low or if you have to change your position, you didn't make it through that stage, you need to remember your average from the prior stage. Um, And that's your wattage average from the prior stage. So we'd start fairly easy, get people cruising along, um, get them at a comfortable cruising cadence. That's what I call it, whatever be your normal, comfortable cadence. Um, have them every two minutes be increasing the resistance, holding your cadence. And when you get to a point where you are really struggling, finish that stage. Um, if, you can, if you think you can get to another stage, add a little bit more. Try to hang on to your cadence. Try to hold on to your position. Um, if you make it through that stage... Um, you can use the monitor. I can explain that a little bit as well. But you use the monitor to get your average wattage for the last successful two-minute stage. And then you use that as your threshold. What I found when I did it, because we, we did this as one of, our, one of our riding sessions, is my threshold for that test was a little bit higher than my FTP um, by about five or six watts. So it was a pretty I, – I looked at it as a – as another good option and, an, and a way to get people tested quickly. Because it took me about 10 to 12 minutes to do, those te- to do that test with my class during this week. How many steps uh, are there? I mean, if, if, because obviously you can add just a little, add just a little, and you can mm-hmm. be there all day. Right. So, uh, uh, so when, when, when you're going to present this to your class, how many steps uh, um, so that, you know, so you can take nothing and everything and divide right. it into into segments how how what are you telling your class this right. should be done in three steps five steps good question good question um i asked that to angie she said we want to get them done within 14 minutes um 
I, for, for my personal class, since most of I've gone through an FTP with them, they should have an idea of what their threshold is because the numbers should be close. They may not be exactly the same, but they should be close. So I gave them rule, the rule of we, we're doing five stages. You need to find that number within five stages because, yes, they could go, I'm going to go five watts, five watts, five watts, and you could be there all day. So I said, we need to find it within 10 minutes. We're going to start. You have five stages to get there. Figure out how much you have to add. If you don't get there, which, is, which has happened to a few people, um, I said, we'll have to do the test again, but we're not going to spend all day doing this test. It reminded so me that, so, oh, oh, hang on so, a sec. Yeah. So, so what the point being is that they, that they, uh, they added too much at stage three or something and well, just crushed themselves. No, I was – uh, that's okay. Maybe I should have been more clear about that. You can fail or not make it through any of the five stages. So um, if you only make it through three, that's fine. That's still a good test. Un- unless you really cranked it up at one point and you didn't get a decent average. But I believe most people can can determine how much they should be adding. I do a lot of intervals in that zone. Just in the past, I, I was trying to tell them this is like a two-minute, slightly above threshold effort. So you should feel like you're struggling and like you have about two minutes in you. And that's how I want you to feel during this this two minutes. I want you to make it through it, but not be able to make it through another two-minute stage. That's when you know you got it right. When the instructors did it, since we're all pretty dialed into our body, you could see us all. Most of us didn't even try the next stage. We were, I think we were maybe at 10 or 12 minutes because we were going for as many as 14 minutes and we're cruising along and we're there. You know, you're about to fail. You're, you're, really, you're yo-yoing with your cadence and you could see us all looking at each other like, okay, I'm going to fight through this one and I'm not even going to add resistance and try to get through the next stage. I'm going to finish this one, turn it down, get my average and that's what I'm going to use. As the instructor, then tell me how you're using the console throughout this process. So with the test, you will start off, they have an R button at the bottom of the monitor, which stands for reset. It could also be thought of as a repeat button. Um, at the beginning of the test, you'll push that R button. There's a little S that blinks at the very bottom, and that little S is telling you that it's reading the information for that stage. So you'll do a two-minute stage. You'll push the R button. When you push the R button again, it'll show you all your averages. Um, it sits there showing your averages until you push that R button again. So it's not like it continues to count on for you. It's not like a regular lap button on a, on a watch where you push the lap button and it shows you your information and then it starts counting again. On this one, it's basically stopped the information right there. So you push the R button, you get your information. When you're ready to start the next stage, you push the R button again and then it counts for that two minutes since you pushed it. Um, what is nice is that it gives you your average, your average watts, your average RPMs, It'll give you your average heart rate as well if you are paired up with your heart rate. And then every two-minute stage, you're pushing that button to get your average. And what we try to do is as you get towards your failure point, or maybe not failure, but your point of where you can no longer hold cadence um, or your position is going to change, you really need to be aware of what your average was for the prior stage. Because once you start the next one, that average is gone. Got it. Which is true, I think, with with every monitor. Did you leave the training ignoring your past knowledge 
but did you leave the spin power training feeling confident that you could introduce this into your class? I guess the best way to look at that was the instructors that we have that are not personal trainers and are not coaches that are indoor cycling instructors and really good indoor cycling instructors. They all left thinking, I got this. This is, I can do this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Their concern was a little bit more of how it was going to work in their class and how it was going to mix with their music and things like that and how they were going to continue to teach in a very similar way that they've always taught. And I kept trying to reinforce them of, you can do everything you've always done. Now you just have, you have a plan, you have a map, you have a way to train them properly and give them the proper work to rest ratios, but still do what you've been doing, but figure out how to fit it into this so you can become a better and better instructor and people can get more and more out of your class. Dennis, we're getting long and we could talk about this for hours. Uh-huh. Um, actually, I'm scheduled to be out in LA at the uh, MindBodyFitPro conference here in a, a week and a half. And actually, I'm I'm there, the guys at Performance IQ are bringing me out because specifically to see their new uh, system working with the new spinner blade ion. Uh, and actually I'm going over to the, the full cycle studio in uh, oh somewhere near LA there uh, where I'm going to take a class uh, one morning. And I think some of the guys from Star Trek are going to be there to help me understand things a little better as well. So uh, Dennis, if somebody has questions specific to, you know, what you experienced, your experience with the bike, would, would you be open to, letting them communicate with you? Oh, absolutely. All right. How would they get in touch with you? They could email me at dennismellon at me.com. That's D-E-N-N-I-S-M-E-L-L-O-N at me, M-E dot com. All right. Well, Dennis Mellon, I will be interested to hear um, in the future, you know, how your uh, integration of power goes in your classes. And maybe at some point we can get an understanding of one of the profiles you use. Oh, I'd love to do that. Awesome. All right. Well, Dennis Mellon out there in Greenwood, Colorado, I thank you for all this. I think there's going to be a lot of people excited to hear all about spin power, and hopefully sometime in the future I can have one of their representatives, specifically Angie, um, on to uh, discuss this in more detail. So thank you. You're welcome. I think your, uh, your listeners would like that and get a lot out of that. Thanks for listening to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast the voice of indoor cycling. You can find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com and we're in the iTunes Music Store. Search Indoor Cycling and subscribe to our free podcast. Now, if you're like most instructors, you're struggling with finding the time to create the perfect class profile and the music playlist to go with it. If that sounds like you, consider a premium subscription to ICI Pro. We've done all the work for you. Inside ICI Pro, you'll find the largest collection of comprehensive class profiles for teaching conventional classes, classes featuring heart rate, and also power. Contributed by the most diverse collection of master trainers and rock star instructors on the planet. Every profile includes a complete music playlist we guarantee your class will enjoy. Combine ICI Pro with Spotify and you could be ready to teach an awesome class in minutes. Visit IndoorCycleInstructor.com forward slash pro and start your no-risk trial subscription today.